Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Final hour here of the program. We'll switch gears one more time here. Talk a little NBA there in the 8 o'clock hour. The potential of KD to D.C., Appreciate all the love you guys show. Continue to tap in with me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Right now, we're going to switch things to the gridiron. Talk a little National Football League. You know how we get down here on the program. We only talk to the smartest of the smartest of folks. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is former NFL GM Randy Mueller. What's going on, Randy? How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem, my man. Busy, busy offseason right here in the National Football League. A lot to dissect. I want to ask you this straight up. What was your favorite move of the offseason, and what move do you think will have the biggest impact? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I think the favorite move to me was maybe the most anticipated one. It was really Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we thought about that for a year and a half, right? We talked about it forever. I think that was the best move for everybody involved. And sometimes it never works out. This time it did. So I'm glad it's behind us as well. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Randy. I'm not as high on the Packers heading into this year. I think the loss of Devontae Adams is going to be huge. I think a lot of people underestimate just how, e- not easy, but just how much how much easier life is Excuse me, for Aaron Rodgers having that go-to number one receiver. He's going to be depending on a lot of young pups to pick up the slack. But I'll go somewhere else there in that NFC North and talk about the second-year quarterback, Justin Fields, down in Chicago. He struggled last year, to say the least, had a lot of mechanical issues. And quite frankly, the Bears just didn't do enough to help this kid succeed. You go to this year and what they did in the offseason, they didn't really add much at the wide receiver position. How did you view Justin Fields' rookie season, and where do you think he can make the biggest improvements heading into 2022? Well, obviously, last year was a struggle for the Bears in general. I can't put it all on Justin Fields, that's for sure. I was not enamored by the system. Um, it had been that way the last couple of years. I, I think everybody, in most cases, the, the the hierarchy of development as a quarterback that first year is behind you. That's the best thing that can happen to you. So I'm assuming he will be better this year. I think for nothing else, the, the speed of the game, the, the routine of preparations, that stuff will be behind him. So much for these rookie quarterbacks, year one is memorizing a new system, right? They're trying to learn it. They're trying to figure it out. They get zero chance to evolve as a quarterback or to hone in on their own skill set. They are trying to run plays, trying to not screw things up from the coaches. 
and their skill set and, and really their game, their, their trade, fails them because they don't get a chance to work on the details of it. So I think they'll be better. I don't know if they've really, like you said, helped their roster per se, yeah. but I think fields in general will be better. Um, I think the, the coaching staff needed to change. It did. I think everybody will welcome it. I think they, they'll end up being better, but I'm not sure the mm. record's going to show it, but I think fields will have a better year. Yeah, and Randy, a lot of people know it. There's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to Justin Fields. You want to talk about one of the most decorated quarterbacks in the history of Ohio State football. He's got all the physical skills that it takes to be today's modern quarterback. Talk about being able to make the off-platform throws, being able to extend plays, play off script, and do damage with his legs. We'll move to a more traditional quarterback here, and it's a veteran. In Indianapolis, the Colts, Now on their third veteran quarterback in the last three years, this time they acquired Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how much Falcons football you watched last year, Randy, but Matt was under siege a lot. But he had some good receivers to work with here. In my opinion, the cast of characters in Indy, not as good as the one that they had in Atlanta. How do you see Matt Ryan fitting in with the Colts this year? And do you think he's the veteran that gets them over the hump? Well, I think he's going to help him. I think so much of the quarterback's success or failure is an organizational, you know, uh, call, right? right? It starts with the GM. It starts with the coach. It starts with the scheme. I like his scheme. I think he'll be okay there. The one thing about Matt Ryan is that, and I did watch some film, believe it or not, a lot from Atlanta last year. The ball wasn't coming out like it used to. He did have a tendency to hang on to it a little bit. Now, he was taking some beatings up front. The offensive line was shaky at best. That will be better now. I think the big difference Matt Ryan's going to find is that the running game will be his best friend. Yeah. Obviously, the Colts line is one of the best, especially interior. They want to run it downhill. They want to be physical. That's going to help Matt Ryan. I just don't think he's going to have to sit in the pocket, and they're not going to be able to depend on him you know, week in and week out for every third down conversion and to make all the big plays. I think he's just going to have to play within himself, and I think that has a better chance to happen in Indy than it ever did in Atlanta. Something that's interested me with the Colts over the past few years, Randy, and and specifically with Carson Wentz, he got a lot of blame for their failures a season ago, but something that not a lot of people talked about is that Indianapolis Colts defense, in my opinion, took a pretty significant step back. They didn't really play well defensively when the lights were the brightest. It's now two years in a row we've seen them go after retread veterans. Phillip Rivers had a great year, ended up taking them to the playoffs, but the defense ends up faltering. Why is Matt Ryan going to be different here in Indianapolis? And yeah. do you think this Colts defense can take another step? Because I think they need to. I agree with you. I think the Colts defense has gotten off easy. I think the low-hanging fruit for all the NFL experts has been to blame it on Carson Wentz. Like you said, I've, I've heard from several of top-platform NFL analysts in the last month that, hey, he just couldn't recover from that season-ending loss in Jacksonville. I got news for you. That wasn't all him. That was a little bit of everybody. And so the organization has to take accountability for that. I'm with you. I don't blame it all on Carson Wentz. I think the defense has to step up. They've got to find a way to to rush rush the passer. I know they've shown flashes of it, but their secondary hasn't played up to potential per se. So I'm with you. I think that's a tough division for them. You know, they, 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 they have a tendency to let down and play to the level of their competition, yes. and that's what's hurt them in the past. Hopefully the, the uh, what, how do I want to say it, the mentality will be more even keel and not have the highs and lows. That's what 
a lot of teams have nowadays. It's ups and downs, and the good ones find a way to level things out. And for 17 games, they know exactly what they're getting. So that will be their challenge this year is to have a level uh, and know what they're getting every week, and, uh, and then they'll make progress. But until then, they're going to still have the ups and downs of a young, developing team that looks better on paper than it actually plays. Yeah, they're hoping the uh, free agent acquisition of Stephon Gilmore will help sure up that secondary. And then the second year, Quiddy Pay, he did a lot of nice things as a rookie rushing the passer. But as you mentioned, they need a little bit more juice uh, in that pass rushing department. Randy, let's switch things over here to our nation's capital. New QB1 here in Washington. We just mentioned him, Carson Wentz. I don't know how much Washington football team film you watched last year. But Taylor Heineke at the helm felt like it limited offensive coordinator Scott Turner in the amount of deep shots he was able to take just from a physical standpoint, what type of an upgrade do you think Carson Wentz is over Taylor? Well, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a pretty good upgrade. Taylor Heineke is for my money, um, an, an average journeyman type talent and they've got to do better than that. I yeah. thought, to be honest with you, I thought, thought Washington has kind of mismanaged that room the last few years. And I think, you know, who, whoever gets the blame, I don't know. But I think Scott Turner's got to get a little pressure in that they've got to find a way to spread the ball around and do things better as well. They just haven't been efficient, no matter who the quarterback is. Right. So I think Wentz is an upgrade. I'm not a Taylor Heineke guy. I know they had him in Carolina when they were there, that staff. But I thought that was an overvalued position for them in him because he played decent in that one playoff game two years ago. Randy, obviously, you, you've you've worked in several front offices. When Carson Wentz was coming out of college, play, being that he came from you know not playing major Division One football, was there a worry for you that he'd be able that he wouldn't be able to translate his game to the NFL level? And what has he shown you so far as a pro? You know, there really wasn't. I remember going to North Dakota. I remember seeing him play games live at Montana and some of the other small schools out west. But I really didn't question the physical skills at all. I think what's kind of got him sideways is more of the intangibles and the leadership stuff that seemed to have maybe not burned bridges, but frayed edges uh, of the bridge, you know. And I think that's the biggest struggle he's had. And that does surprise me because all of the background information when you checked with all the sources coming out was all solid. He's a really bright guy. I think the association with teammates and, and all the rumors that we've heard now for the last two or three years, that's been a struggle for me and that's been a surprise. So I'd love to see him get back to maybe thinking less and, and working on some relationships in an authentic way. And I think he is somebody you could get behind to lead. I think the, Red, the, the Washington team has moved up the scale at quarterback. I don't know if it's going to get him over the top because their division's so tough, but I think Carson Wentz's skill set is better than they've had there in several years. Speaking of the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of expectations going into 2022, Randy, and they didn't really make a lot of splash moves in the offseason. In fact, Many can argue they got worse on paper trading away number one wide receiver Amari Cooper. I want to ask you specifically, though, about the pass-run dynamic in Dallas and whether or not they should lean more on Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott. Randy, as you know, the big knock on Prescott has been he hasn't played his best ball in the biggest games. What do you know about, what do you think, excuse me, about Dak Prescott and what do you think the outlook is for Dallas heading into next year? Well, I'm actually good with Dak Prescott. I think he's a good player. I understand the, the salary and, and everything that went into that. Much like we just talked about in Washington with, I think, some of the pressure that belongs on Scott Turner, I think the, the pressure in Dallas might belong more on Kellen Moore. 
I think they've got to find a balance. They've got to find a way to use those backs, the two backs you just mentioned. They've got to find a way to run the ball to take a little pressure off Dak. I don't think he is a pure, talented passer like, uh, you know, the top six or eight in the league, but he can do enough things, and he's accurate, and he has all the intangibles. So I think it's up to Kellen Moore that he's got to advance that offense. You're right. They don't have some of the weapons they had in the past, but they have good enough players still to advance that offense. And I think a lot of it falls in the lap of young, really inexperienced Kellen Moore. He's only been calling plays for two years. So I think that that should be the the pressure point for them right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And I know from Kellen Moore's perspective, I tried to give him a little bit of a pass, Randy, because I'm like, well, the pressure's on him. He's potentially (laughs) trying to be – he was one of the hotter names on the head coaching market. Yeah coming up and you're probably trying to call plays and maybe get a little bit too cute because of all the talent that you have. Obviously it didn't work out for them in the postseason, but Randy, the team that they lost to in the postseason, the San Francisco 49ers, they're going to have a big switch at the quarterback position this year. All signs point towards it being Trey Lance for week one, even though Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster, were you able to scout him coming out of school and what were your initial impressions of him? Well, I was, and I've been nervous about it the whole time. <laughs> I was not <laughs> a proponent. I. I was not a proponent of what the 49ers did by giving away the farm to trade up to get Trey Lance. I just thought he was always, because of his inexperience, he had made played one game in, in that pandemic year. He had thrown less passes than any first round pick in the history. I just thought there was so many questions. How could they throw it all on this kid's lap? I just thought he was one of those guys that was a year away from being a year away. (laughs) And I don't know that we know any more regarding that. I think I've been on an island. I have not agreed with him trading Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand his, his downfall and his weaknesses, but this is a playoff team. I think without Jimmy Garoppolo, they take a step back before they go forward, even if Trey Lance does figure it out. But he's going to have to have a learning curve year. He's going to have a year away struggles. Last year, when the season started, Shanahan, the head coach, had said, we're going to use him in all kinds of situations. As it turned out, they used him in none. Yeah. So really, last year was kind of a waste. I don't think he fulfilled expectations at all. So I think that's a, I think it's a, a risky move. And uh, like I said, I, I was not for them trading up to get him. I'm definitely not for them handing the keys to the car to him and then shuffling Jimmy Garoppolo off somewhere else. I just think there's too many ifs there. And, yeah, maybe Shanahan thinks he can do it on his own, but I, I, I just I struggle with some of the decision-making. This is a playoff team, and I think Jimmy gives them the best chance right now. I completely agree with you, Randy. Look, you're not on the island by yourself. Your boy Linnell is right there. Oh, I appreciate you. that. I say, I say it like <laughs> this, though, Randy, right? You, you're, you're a former GM in this league. When you go out and trade that type of capital for somebody, he's got to be on the field right away, right? And then I say it like this. Everybody wants to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and what he is or what he isn't. What does it say about Trey Lance that he wasn't able to unseat him at all right. last year when Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play good ball? Yeah, I agree. I just think it, it was not fulfilling for them to see him every day. And we heard the rumors at practice. We heard that he was struggling, Trey Lance, that is. And so I, I just couldn't do it. I thought it was a risky move. Um, I think, And now they, the word is out that they're allowing Jimmy Garoppolo to seek a trade himself. Who's going to pay? Who's going to take Jimmy Garoppolo for twenty five million? Yeah. That's another whole topic right there. I just that's not going to happen. So I think that trade market is is slim and, and none, if any. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in San Francisco for sure. Big big pressure on decisions that they've made to see if they can fulfill uh, the, the projections that they have for Trey Lance. 
Yeah, and Randy, I'll let you go on this. Last year, the Cincinnati Bengals, the surprise team, I know it's hard to predict a bad team making it to the Super Bowl, but if you look at some of the non-playoff teams from a year ago that have that potential to get hot and go on a run, who would you cast as this year's 2022 Cincinnati Bengals? Well, you'd have to have a quarterback to get me to bank on it. (laughs) I don't think think you have to look any further than the Chargers, to be honest with you. They they were on the edge of the playoffs last year. They kind of screwed it up and shot themselves in the foot. I think they've gotten better on both sides of the ball. Herbert is another year experience. If I was going to pick a non-playoff team to make a good run, it'd probably be the Chargers for me. Randy, always good stuff talking to you, my man. Look forward to having you on the show in the future. Appreciate you, my man. Thanks. Anytime. I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Former NFL general manager Randy Mueller. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Randy Mueller, giving us the goods. And I told Randy, and I told you guys out there as well, I don't buy the hype that is Trey Lance. I don't, and I made the point a year ago, eh, it was about week 10 or 11 during that stretch of games when Jimmy Garoppolo was at his worst. If you traded multiple first-round picks to move up and go get this cat and he can't unseat Jimmy Garoppolo, you've got major problems. According to the 33rd team, the one Washington commander has major problems. They listed their most overrated player for each team in the National Football League. I'll tell you which commander they listed. Don't go anywhere. You listen to the fan. Before we went to the break, though, the 33rd team, Mike Tannenbaum's crew, in their blog that they write over there at the 33rd team, great analysis, great features, great lists. Their latest, giving you the most overrated player on each NFL team, Heading into the 2022 season, and I thought I'd make it specific here to the Commanders and let you know who he thought was the most overrated. He listed now third-year defensive end Chase Young uh, as his most overrated candidate for the Washington Commanders. And they started it off by saying, you know, this isn't fair to Chase Young. And quite frankly, you know, Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's to be debated. But what we do know is in order for Chase Young to live up and fill the bill of being a former number two overall pick, he must find a way to affect the quarterback more often. And he's got to find a way, he's got to find a way to have a bigger impact on football games. I think a big reason why he was able to win defensive rookie of the year back in 2020. Look at all the impact plays that he made. I can list off a bunch of them. The strip sack they had in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, Washington didn't go on to win the football game. But Washington did go on to win that football game, didn't they? Week one, Philly, 2020. At home, they did win that game. I remember. Sorry, guys. They did win that football game. Goes just to prove my point. He was making plays that had impact on winning. The strip sack on Chase Young. I mean, on Carson Wentz in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. You go to the early December game in Glendale. Taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The strip sack touchdown that he had. You go late in the season against Pittsburgh in a game that Washington needed to keep their playoff hopes alive in the big fourth down stop 
that he had on the goal line. That's the Chase Young that we got to know in his rookie season. So if you're judging him based off of that, last year would look like an utter disappointment. Only registering a sack and a half, didn't force any turnovers, damn sure didn't score any touchdowns. So I get it. It really seemed as if Chase Young took a massive step back simply from the standpoint of he didn't make a lot of plays that impacted winning. He didn't make a lot of plays that impacted the quarterback. That's their most overrated player for the commanders heading into 2022 was Chase Young. For me, for me, it falls on that same side of the football. Washington signed Kendall Fuller to a massive free agent deal in Ron Rivera's first season at the helm here, bringing Kendall back in the fold after trading him away to Kansas City as a part of the Alex Smith deal. Kendall Fuller struggled mightily last year and really struggled to find a role in a niche on this defense. Everybody knows Kendall Fuller's best season in the National Football League, at least according to Pro Football Focus, came back in 2017, I believe. Or was it 16? Either 16 or 17, when he primarily played in the slot, and he was the number one graded slot defender in all of football. Since then, he's left, gone to Kansas City, played safety, He's gone to Kansas City, played outside corner. He's now come back here and been used as an outside corner. Now, is that fault of Kendall Fuller or is it fault of the coaching staff? I say it's a 70-30 split between Fuller and the coaching staff. 70% Fuller because once you agree to sign your name on the dotted line and receive a significant pay increase, you got to be willing to take on more responsibility. You got to be willing to improve your game. You got to be able to be more versatile of a defender for your defensive coordinator to be able to deploy. If I got a raise here at Odyssey, I'd be asked to do more. I couldn't just get a raise, be asked to do more, and then not do well at the new responsibilities. That's how you get fired in the real world. Luckily for Kendall Fuller, he's living in the National Football League. Because last year, Kendall Fuller, quote-unquote, should have gotten fired for how poorly he played at times at the cornerback position. And what really frustrated me a season ago with Kendall Fuller was one of his strengths back in 2017, 2016, in my opinion, turned into a weakness last year. Kendall Fuller was somebody who first burst onto the scene here in Washington after his injury-riddled rookie season. He was somebody that showed tremendous ball skills, a tremendous ability not just to intercept the ball, but to be able to finish plays, what they like to say in the NFL world, at the cornerback position. Not letting guys complete receptions, playing through the ball, playing through the whistle. We didn't see that a season ago. It always felt as if Kendall Fuller, his head wasn't turned around most of the time when the football was in the air. It seemed as if he struggled in man coverage a lot a season ago, an area where he was very good during his first stint here in Washington. So I'm wondering why we saw a regression 
out of one of the most highest paid players in our secondary. Luckily for the Washington Commanders, they got a young man by the name of Benjamin St. Juice, who I think is in for a special season here in Washington. And we saw our first glimpse of Benjamin St. Juice in that preseason game against eventual rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. Everybody wanted to, or Jamar Chase, wanted to blame the size of the football coming at him as to why he got clamped out there in the preseason. I'll tell you news, listeners out there of the radio program. It wasn't just the change in the size of football that affected Jamar Chase. It was the great defense of commander's rookie corner, Benjamin St. Juice, being physical with Chase at the line of scrimmage doing the things that we saw Kendall Fuller do back in his prime, playing through the football, using every bit of that 6-2 frame to go out there and dislodge the football from guys. We saw him running step for step with Jamar Chase in the preseason. Yes, it was just the preseason, but it was a sign of things to come. You fast forward to week one. Benjamin St. Juice looked like one of the best corners on the roster. Having to go up against Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and that dangerous trio of weapons that they have in L.A. with the Chargers. The moment wasn't too big for him. He wasn't scared. His ability to be physical in the run game and come up and stick his face in there as an undersized guy. And when I say undersized, I mean from the standpoint of his body weight. The kid stands at six foot two. So I think for the Commanders, if Kendall Fuller struggles to start this year, don't be surprised if we see Benjamin Juice start. Benjamin St. Juice, excuse me, start to take a big chunk of those snaps. Don't be surprised if rookie seventh round draft pick Christian Holmes from Oklahoma State comes in here and makes an impact and potentially takes snaps away from Kendall Fuller. Because I think of all the guys in the secondary, Kendall Fuller's seat might be the hottest. That's why I think he's my most overrated commander heading into 2022. Why to take a quick timeout on the other side of this break. Rumors are surfacing and running rampant around the National Football League about a potential suspension for Deshaun Watson. I'll tell you how many games he could be potentially looking at, and I'll compare him to another guy who was suspended last year. And I'll tell you why I think if Deshaun Watson doesn't get at least the amount of time of the player I'm talking about, the NFL is a failure. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.